Level the Pursuit is a podcast for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the race to success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Last week, we talked about creating your personal leadership philosophy. Taking some time to put together your values, goals, and competencies can not only help you communicate who you are as a leader, it can also show you which skills you need to work on to be a more complete applicant for your next step. If you didn't get a chance to work on your leadership philosophy, at least take some time to think about your core values and competencies. The more you know, the better you can poise yourself to make improvements for the long term. Today, we're going to talk about mindfulness. When we discuss leadership, Usually, we're talking about our relationships with our colleagues, bosses, and subordinates. But really, the foundation of our performance and how we relate to others is how we feel in our own skin and how we're able to regulate our thoughts and emotions. Mindfulness is another tool to add to your kit in order to help you manage the person that you show to the world. Over the next week, pick one or two mindfulness techniques to fit into your day. If you forget, that's okay. Try again the next day. Creating a new habit takes a few weeks, so don't worry if you don't get it off the bat, but keep trying. So what is mindfulness? It's the state of being consciously aware of yourself in the present moment. It includes being aware of your breathing, the sensation your body experiences, your feelings, and your thoughts. This seems kind of intuitive, but how many of us aren't really there even when we're doing something we enjoy? How many people play on their phone while they're watching a movie or mess around on the computer while you're talking to someone you care about? We're not always there when we're supposed to be there. And so mindfulness is an opportunity for you to make sure that you're fully present in the moment that you're in. One part is accepting your thoughts as they come into your head and then letting them pass by. This technique is so valuable, but it's really hard for people to get into the non-judgmental acceptance of your reactions and thoughts. Many of us have grown up feeling like certain emotions were good or bad, instead of just understanding that they're part of the normal constellation of human feelings. One of the goals of mindfulness is creating that emotional acceptance for ourselves and others. Another huge component of mindfulness is viewing yourself and the world around you with curiosity and kindness. Now that might sound kind of cheesy, but really what it comes down to is wondering why someone behaves in a certain way or why something happens the way it does, instead of making up our own explanation and then judging them for it. Curiosity is actually a really powerful emotion, and it can be a huge gear shift for people to stop inserting their personal ideas and be truly interested in others. And the kindness piece fits in with that by assuming positive motives and good intentions when you're not sure. We've talked about this before, but it's all that we tell ourselves and remembering we're all the heroes in our own story. So most people do actually mean well. So why is mindfulness so popular? The short answer is it's free and it works. Anyone can do this anytime and get benefits from the practice. There are tons of apps, websites, books, and YouTube channels that can help you find a technique that works for you. And I'll mention a couple of those today, but really I'm gonna go over some ideas so you can do this on your own if you choose. So why should you practice mindfulness? Well, there are a ton of benefits, so I'll go over them briefly here. From a health standpoint, it can lower your blood pressure, it can reduce chronic pain, for a lot of people it improves their sleep, and it can also improve gastrointestinal issues like irritable bowel syndrome. For people with chronic or severe illnesses or who have had an injury and are trying to recover, uh, there's been shown an enhanced ability to deal with the illness and to recover from your injury. So you optimize your mindset so you get the most out of your recovery. 
Mindfulness can also help alleviate some of the symptoms of some psychiatric illnesses, especially depressive symptoms. Now keep in mind, it can help with some of the symptoms. It's not a substitute for medical care or for psychiatric or any other medical diagnosis, but it can help the mindset as you try to go through your treatment. It can also help with weight control, whether you're trying to gain weight or lose, it can help through the techniques of mindful eating we'll talk about today, as well as with negative feelings that people struggle with when they're trying to change their weight. Mentally, people experience reduced rumination, which is where you go over things in your head again and again and again. Practitioners of mindfulness have decreased stress, decreased anxiety, and decreased emotional reactivity. And this is one that I personally think is really, really helpful. If you think of your reaction threshold or the level of pain or emotion that makes you react each day, most of us are below it for most of the day. You might stub your toe or get cut off in traffic or someone ticks you off and you spike above that threshold. But our baseline stress level determines how much increased agitation it takes to spike us over that line. Mindful meditation can bring that baseline to a lower overall level. And as a result, it will take more to get you over the top. Emotionally, mindfulness is about being in that moment. So if you think about how often you're distracted around your loved ones, you can see why this would be a really positive thing. It's been shown to improve relationships and increase connection, and that makes sense. If you're in the moment, you're giving someone your full attention. You're curious. You're interested when they talk. You can see why that would really build a connection. Additionally, if you use the meditation or the gratitude techniques we discuss, you can really come into that relationship calmer and in a better state of mind to be a good partner or family member. At work, mindfulness has been shown to increase functional memory and focus. So that's the memory that you use day to day when you're actually doing your job. One study took a bunch of military members and then a group of civilians and compared them. The military members were all getting ready to deploy, which is a really busy and very, very stressful time. So they had half those people meditate and half didn't. Then after eight weeks, they compared them to the civilians who were low stress, but had not been meditating at all. They found that the civilians showed no change in functional memory, and the non-meditating military actually got worse. But despite that high stress environment, the meditating military people had increased memory and overall better moods. That's pretty cool. Also, we just mentioned an improvement in relationships, so you can see why those benefits would extend to your coworkers and even your customers. Finally, though it's probably intuitive, people that practice these techniques and have a better outlook in general show increased job satisfaction, regardless of the field or the industry. So what do you do? Just sit there and breathe? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, honestly, it may take you a bit to find out what works, but that is one way to do it. You might even try a few different methods to see what is most comfortable for you. As you become more comfortable, you may find that you use them as structured scheduled moments or just wedged into your day. There doesn't have to be a big production around it. So don't be afraid to try them all and just keep what makes you feel more centered and present. Now, keep in mind, none of this is comfortable or easy to start off with. It takes about eight weeks to see the health benefits of meditation. And in my experience, it takes three to four weeks with a new yoga routine or a new yoga instructor to not feel like an uncoordinated moron flopping all around the mat. So don't rush it. That said, if you incorporate mindful moments, especially around stressful times in your day, you can absolutely see benefits the first time you do it. So what are some common methods? Depending on what you want to practice, there are tons of apps, YouTube channels, books, you name it. If that's your jam, go crazy. But you can do this without spending any money at all, which is how I prefer to do it. 
The two most commonly used apps for meditation are Calm and Headspace. They both have free and paid versions, so you can try them out. Um, honestly, the free versions are really just the absolute beginning though, so if you become a little bit more advanced, you may want to invest in the paid versions if you enjoy the, the format. But if you wanna try structured meditation, they're a great place to start. Calm has a ton of different topics, but to be honest, I, I find a lot of the content redundant and I don't prefer the voices on it. Um, Headspace is way less varied, it's pretty um, one track, but the dude's voice is so amazingly soothing, I could listen to him all day long. Um, there are also tons of others out there, so if you come across something great, please pop over to the website and share. Okay, so meditation. When you say mindfulness, most people think of meditation, but it's just one technique you can practice. And also, there are several different types of meditation. Mindful meditation is just one kind. And the point of it is to pay attention to your breathing, usually in a seated position. This is the most structured form that I'm gonna talk about today in that you'll have to block some time when you actually have the environment suitable for having this moment. Um, this is also the method that you'll practice if you choose to use the apps that I just mentioned. So what do you do? Well, first, just find a quiet place or a place with noise that's not distracting to you. I personally don't mind traffic noise. I find it soothing. Um, and, you know, kind of the background noise in a cafe, that can be pretty soothing for people as well. But find something that's not distracting to you. Then find a place to sit and sit comfortably with your legs uncrossed, your feet on the floor, and your hands in your lap. It's just a very relaxed position, nice straight back. As an alternative, you can also sit on the floor. And when I'm outside, I actually like to lay down and, and look straight up at the sky So, because I find that really soothing. So you can find a position that works for you. You'll find things that say, this is how you're supposed to do it. But I think whatever works for you and that you'll do, that's the way to do it. It's a matter of relaxing and focusing on the moment. So the position really doesn't matter, but you don't wanna be crossed up, you don't wanna be tight. You wanna be able to be relaxed and have um, the temperature appropriate for you. So if you're cold or, or too hot, that can be uncomfortable as well. You should set a timer so you're not looking at the clock. I like to use a white noise app. Um, it's actually a nighttime sounds app and it plays calming music that I can set on a timer and it fades out at the end of my time. And I really like that. So I highly recommend something like that. If you like having music, they have, you know, the Tibetan bowl and chimes and all sorts of different things, but it should be something that's soothing to you. You should start around five minutes and gradually work up from there. Some people even start shorter at like three minutes. It doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're, not, when you're not used to creating these moments, it can feel like forever. So once you're in a good position, start your timer and then take a few long, slow, deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth, nice and slow. Allow your vision to unfocus or you can close your eyes. When I'm outside, I actually keep my eyes open and I watch the clouds. I find that really, really soothing. As you kind of get into your position and you get everything relaxed, Allow your breathing to normalize and just focus on your breathing. Don't make it anything special. Just think about the actual quality of your breathing. Notice the air coming in and out. During this time, you can take stock of your body. Feel each muscle, each joint, your arms, your legs. Some people like to do a technique where you actually tighten and relax each muscle as you go. Um, usually when you do that, you kind of start gravity. So you'll start with your head, your face, your neck, and work down to your toes. And as you go through there, you notice your contact with the chair or the floor. You can feel the air flowing around you. You notice any sounds in your environment. As thoughts come into your mind, don't get upset or try to push them away. You just notice them and then return to your breathing. Over time, it will get easier to be still and accept your thoughts as they pass by, but it's really hard at the beginning and that's normal, everybody has that. When your timer goes off, you slowly open your eyes, 
wiggle your fingers and toes, be gentle with yourself, and then slowly return to your day. It sounds really cheesy, I know, if you've never done it, but it actually is very relaxing and it can really make you feel centered. So what if meditation is not your thing? Well, you could try a wake-up routine. To start off with, don't snooze. Get up the first time. It may help to wait to music that fades in, or maybe you're someone that responds to an alarm. I personally am not a morning person. I like to be awoken gently, so I like to have nice music that fades in, but see what works to get you effectively awake without irritating you or getting you really keyed up for the day. As you lay there, take a few breaths. Breathe in deep, hold it for a few seconds, and then let it out just kind of taking stock of everything that's happening in your body. Then do some gentle stretches, first while you're still in the bed, then after you slowly rise from under the covers. Listen to your body. This is just to get things moving. You're not trying to reach a new record for personal flexibility. Some people like to add an exercise in here, like a few air squats or some push-ups. I have tried that in the past, but I was not having it, so experiment with it and see what works for you. Then sit down and think some positive thoughts. You can start with gratitude and think of all the things you're grateful for, which can be simple like the fact that you woke up and you have clothes and food, or you can just focus on things that make you happy. If you journal, this is a good time to sit down and record your thoughts and kind of get your mind right to start your day. A prompt that I like to use, um, I got from Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, is three questions. Number one, what three things would make today great? Number two, what three things am I grateful for? And number three, I am. And you just put three things that you are today. Excited, happy, nervous, whatever that might be. I'm paraphrasing, uh, but I'll put a link to the book in the resources section of my website. So go over to www.levelthepursuit.com to check it out. Now, if you like more structure, you can check out Miracle Mornings with Hal Elrod, where he uses the mnemonic savers, which is silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading and scribing. And that is putting in order some of the things actually that I just talked about, uh, but he adds a few things in there. And I really like the affirmations, which we'll talk about mantras a little bit later. And then the visualization of thinking about positive things for your day. I think those are great. And so if you're interested in that, you could definitely check that out. They don't have to be in order and you don't necessarily even have to do them all. The point is starting your day present, engaged, and with a positive attitude. So I'll link that book as well, um, and you can check that out if you'd like more information. Another method you can use is mindful eating, and you can use that every single day. This is great if you're interested in weight control, but actually it's good for all of us. Taking time to slow down when you eat improves your digestion, and it increases your connection with the people you eat with. Now, you might be saying, uh, there's no rocket science around eating. Well, you're right, but even so, most of us rush through our meals. We barely taste the food. We're watching TV, playing on our phones, and generally doing a million things other than focusing on the nourishment that fuels our bodies. So what's the answer? To start, take a few breaths. You've noticed a trend here. Taking a few breaths is always a good thing. And then slow down. Slow down everything. Sit fully in your chair. Get positioned. Look at your food. Appreciate the food that you have. Take a moment to be grateful that you even have food to eat because not everyone does, and it's a privilege that we have it. As you eat, taste each bite. Notice the temperature, the texture, the flavors. After three bites, if you don't like what you're eating, stop eating it. I know that sounds crazy, but many of us will get all the way through something and be like, that really wasn't that great. Why did you eat it? Now, obviously this is saying that you have the option to choose whether to eat or not, and I know that not everybody has that option, but if you do, that's part of the point of this. Try to appreciate what you have and get the most out of it.
The point is to focus on the experience of the food and not have any distractions. So turn off your devices, don't let your mind wander, focus on what you're doing. And finally, eat for hunger. It takes about 20 minutes for your brain to register you've had enough to eat. So many of us are long done with food before our brain knows that we're done. So you don't even give your brain a chance to tell you stop. If you take your time, you let your body tell you when you're done instead of eating past those signals. If portion control or weight loss are priorities for you, this technique can be really, really helpful to stay on the right track. Now, no discussion of mindfulness and meditation is complete without talking about yoga. Yoga uses a focus on your body to achieve a mindful state, and it can also help increase your strength and your flexibility. I am a huge fan of yoga for low back pain and general flexibility, and I recommend it to my patients all the time. But its benefits and mindfulness are awesome as well. If you've never done yoga, the poses are often not positions in which you naturally find yourself. So if you pick it up, give it a month or so before you decide that it doesn't work. It can take that long to be comfortable enough that you can actually relax your mind because at the beginning you're concentrating so hard on getting in that position. So if it feels super awkward and you feel completely stupid, that's okay. Almost everyone does at the beginning. And, and if it hurts and you can't get into the positions, also completely normal. The flexibility to get into these positions is not even, even if you're an athlete who stretches, you may or may not ever get in these positions. So that's normal. Don't stress about it. But maybe it's not your thing. If you're an athlete or if you want to become an athlete, any exercise can be mindful if you choose to focus entirely on the moment. I know that I get pretty zen on long runs and feel really relaxed and mentally calmer, not to mention the sweet endorphin rush. So if you're into trying mindful exercise, experiment with a few workouts and see what you think. And there's tons of guides online. If you just Google mindful exercise, you can find some cool stuff out there. Uh, I personally prefer yoga or running, but if you find something cool, please go to the website and share. Okay, so what if all this sounds like bunk and you're not down with any of it? You can still add some mindful moments to your day and improve your mental well-being. One way is with a mantra. And we talked about affirmations and a mantra earlier, but basically this is any word or phrase that you repeat throughout the day to give you a certain feeling to put yourself in a particular mindset. I'm sure you've seen a movie with somebody in the lotus position chanting solemnly, and that's totally cool if you dig that but you can really choose anything that means something to you and makes you feel good or put you toward your goals. You might reinforce a goal like, I will get this job and say that to yourself, or a positive affirmation like, I am powerful, I am grateful, I am happy. Um, some people choose Bible verses that really help them. My favorites are Philippians 4.13 and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And these are really helpful to me when I am feeling down or when I need some guidance. And then, you say these on a schedule or whenever something causes you stress, or maybe just to start and end your day. You can choose what that is for you. Another thing you can try is just breathing. And I've mentioned breathing a few times. Breathing is really helpful. But you've heard of people taking 10 deep breaths when they're angry. This is a form of mindfulness. You're centering yourself to take stock of your emotions, decrease your reactivity, and create a safer space to interact. And you can really do this any time of day. I used to do it a lot when I was driving, both because I hate to drive and it made my stress level super high, but also even if the other drivers weren't driving me totally bonkers, it was a time alone with my thoughts. So I used it to slow down my rhythm and let my body chill. And it was a really, really effective technique. Finally, maybe you're not ready to try any of this. One thing you can do is just take stock of where you are now so you understand your baseline. Set an alarm for five or six random times during the day and just take stock of your emotions and maybe write them down. Think about what you're feeling and then give your emotions names. 
Don't say you're mad. Are you frustrated, worried? Do you feel disrespected? Are you scared? What is really going on? We often have reactions to our emotions without thinking about where they're coming from. But understanding that can help us see them in a more productive way. For example, your kid's outside playing and decides to go off with friends without telling you and then doesn't come home on time. How do you feel? Well, at first you're annoyed, but then after time passes, they're not home. You drive around and you can't find them. Now you're really getting freaked out and starting to get really angry. Then they come in an hour late like nothing happened. Now you are sitting there seething. You might feel really, really, really angry. But is it anger? Well, probably a little, because you expect your child is going to follow the instructions you've given. But that strong emotional reaction is way more from the fear you felt when you couldn't find them. And then a surge when they act like it's no big deal, because that's both relief that they're safe and the rebound from that intense fear. But if you know that, you can have a way more productive talk to help them understand why you like to know where they are, instead of flying off the handle and shutting down the discussion completely. Spending some time getting to know the complexity of your own emotional makeup can make you so much better in navigating your relationships and your own mental well-being. Even if you do nothing else, start paying attention at least a little bit each day to how you truly feel. So you probably know people who have tried all this and they say it doesn't work. So what are the issues that these people have? First, you have to understand what mindfulness is and what it isn't. It's focused on being present in the moment using techniques to increase your awareness and acceptance of your emotions. It's not a constant state of Zen. You're not walking around in a happy trance all day long. And it's not simply relaxation as you would before falling asleep. It's also not a panacea. It can't fix everything, and it's not a substitute for actual medical care. It doesn't cure cancer, clear out your arteries, or straighten out your broken leg. And as I said before, it doesn't cure psychiatric diagnoses. Even though your symptoms can be largely psychological, there's no substitute for quality medical care. But what it can do is help your mental state as you deal with these illnesses. And that can actually help you get better. Decreasing stress and free radical production is chemically positive for your body. And having a positive outlook can absolutely speed your recovery. So it helps, but it's not a cure. Another issue is putting too much pressure on yourself, getting frustrated because it seems like you have more thoughts coming through instead of less. Honestly, that's progress. That's because you're getting better at paying attention to those fleeting thoughts that used to pass through the background. You're actually becoming aware of them. That's a good thing. And as I said before, it takes several weeks for this to feel natural and comfortable for most people. It's not supposed to be comfortable. If it was comfortable, it would mean you're not actually trying something new and different. So it should feel awkward and silly and just not good for a while. Stick it out. It will get better. Along those lines, one issue is only doing it when you're angry or frustrated. While taking a mindful moment is great to calm yourself out of an agitated state, you won't see the full benefits unless you add it to other parts of your day. Again, part of the point is lowering your baseline threshold for agitation. But if you never practice it when you're at baseline, all you're doing is taking the edge off those spikes, which is still good, but it doesn't help your overall state of mind. Next is forcing yourself into a structure that doesn't work for you. Now I've said it's not gonna be comfortable at first, and that's true, but there might be some things that just don't work for you. That's okay. Any or all of these techniques can work for everyone, but if the actual technique is causing you additional stress, it's probably not the best one to start off with. As you become more comfortable, you may wanna challenge yourself, but let's start with creating the habit first. Another issue people have is thinking they don't have the time to do this. But I'll bet there are more than 10 or 15 minutes in your day that you're not making the most of. 
And even if you are, you have to eat and breathe and think. Here's the thing. These practices are used by some of the most successful and busy people in the world in order to center themselves and present the best, most balanced, and most powerful persona to the world. If you want to be successful, you don't have time not to. And finally, keep in mind, it's only one tool. You can't spend all your time in the moment. Everyone needs to take time to reflect, to go over the great things that happened during your day and the areas you'll want to focus on for improving next time. We also need to plan for the future and spend some time looking forward. The goal is to achieve a balance that allows us to make the most of each moment while still growing and preparing for whatever life has in store. This week, try one of these mindfulness techniques, or maybe two or three. Download Calm or Headspace and try a week of meditation. Focus on mindful eating and enjoy each meal you have. Hit up YouTube and try some yoga. There's some really good ones out there. There's some wonderful routines to start and end the day if you'd like to try that, or you can add it to your morning mindfulness ritual. Or just set a few alarms to take stock a few times each day. The better you know yourself, the better you can relate to the people that you love and respect. That's been our discussion of mindfulness on Level the Pursuit. Thanks for joining, and I look forward to your comments. If you're excited to incorporate mindfulness into your life, please give it a like or subscribe. If this doesn't work for you, or if you have ideas that can help others find their zen, please drop a comment with your thoughts. Next time, we'll cover learning from negative interactions. Many of us have been corrected by people we don't respect, or who do the very thing we're accused of. We've also been insulted or disrespected in situations where there might be fault on both sides. But how do you clear away those bad feelings and take a lesson that makes you better? We'll discuss some ways to approach those situations and turn them into a positive. Don't forget to try your mindfulness techniques and head over to www.levelthepursuit.com to share what works and what might not be your cup of tea. There are also going to be links to the books I mentioned on the website, so check them out if you're interested in more information. I can't wait to learn from your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great.